are invited, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. One of the major COVID-19 pandemic casualties has been weddings. Countless couples have called me for advice. You know, do you think the restrictions will be lifted by my, say, June 20th wedding? Or how about my August wedding? To which I respond, I, I just don't know. We have to wear masks or socially distance on September 12th and so on. Even as recently as last weekend, a couple had a family-only wedding. And I, as their pastor, ached for these couples who signed contracts with caterers and reception halls and so on. Seems like it might have been better for brides and grooms to be in biblical times. For unlike our wedding invitations that include a date, time, place, dress code, accommodation information, and gift registries, invitations in Jesus' day simply announced that there would be a wedding date to be announced. I mean, can you imagine that today with all of our details? Meanwhile, preparations would begin. Gathering the food, the best wine, musicians, decorations, wedding clothes, and so on. When everything had been arranged, servants were dispatched to tell the invited guests. And after the guests arrived, the veiled bride would process from her family home to the bridegroom's home. And the event was rich in celebration. And the guest list would primarily be made up of family and friends that lived nearby. Nobody was jetting in for the weekend like we do. And on the positive side, it wasn't a punch and cookie affair, nor was it a one night of partying. It was a week-long, all-expense-paid wedding bash that in this case was at the king's palace. So with this in mind, what idiot would refuse the invitation? Early in the parable, it's obvious that the king is God and his son is Jesus and the servants are the prophets. And it was the chief priests and elders that refused to acknowledge God's invitation to celebrate and respond to the call to holiness, which was delivered by God's only son after the prophets were often ignored. Rather, they hated him as a result of their jealousy, their stubbornness, their fear, and their hypocrisy. As if a king should humble himself like this, a second time he sent other servants saying, tell those invited, behold, I have prepared my banquet. Everything is ready. Come to the feast. Anyone would have been disappointed by the snub of guests let alone a king. Nevertheless, so as not to cast a dark cloud over the sun's big day, the king dispatches his servants a third time to spread the word that the time had come to celebrate. And he even whet their appetite, saying, the choicest meat is carved, the food is ready, the cattle and the calf. I imagine a mother standing in the kitchen yelling, eat before it gets cold. There's an urgency to this invitation. Sometimes people think of God's invitation in terms of what we have to give up. But what this parable tells us is responding to God's invitation to embrace a life of holiness 
doesn't lead to a life of gloom and sacrifice. Rather, it's often the case that we are called to live a life of joy and happiness and contentment. We don't yield to misery, but celebration and to laughter, not sadness. And it doesn't last for an hour or even a week. But as the promise is given to us, it will last for eternity. The required wedding gift is simply a heart-filled response to the invitation from a king that isn't required to invite anyone. It's all a gift in the end to us. He does so out of a radical love for his people. Some of the invited lay hold of the servants, mistreated them, and killed them. But most ignored the invitation and went away to farm or another business, weighing work to be more important than the feast. And for others, the lack of response to the call of holiness from God isn't really deliberate. Rather, they have this lopsided priorities, if you will, that cause them to lose sight of the invitation and our need to conscientiously respond to it. Sound familiar? In other words, God is eternal and should be the center of my life, but not now. I need to tend to my job, sports, my kids, my social status, my golf game, my favorite video binge or social media post. God can wait. He needs to be patient. What is most important now is that I make hay while the sun shines, as the farmer says. It's kind of uncomfortable to see ourselves this way, but we have turned down God's invitation without truly recognizing their magnitude or their personal nature. What if during our final judgment, God shows us a list of lost priorities or lost opportunities? Ultimately, it is the violently negative response of the invited guest that enrages the king who sent his troops destroyed the murderers and burned their city. When Matthew wrote his gospel, he witnessed, or at least certainly would have known, of the destruction of the Jerusalem temple in 70 AD, and he was a devout Jew when the Romans sacked the city and leveled the temple so that not one stone rested upon the other. In Matthew's Jewish eyes, the temple's destruction was directly tied to the rejection of the Messiah. That is, if the people had lived the good news, they wouldn't have provoked this vengeance. In frustration, the king finally orders his servants to go into the main roads and invite whoever they find, often those who are completely unworthy of the invitation. And this is perhaps the most impressive part of the parable that the God of the universe, the King of Kings, the Lord of the Lord would invite anyone. For the main roads around city gates would have been teeming with tourists and travelers, but also beggars, outcasts, unskilled day workers, tax collectors, prostitutes, conmen, the blind and the lame. These are the ones that accepted the invitation. The king, after all, wanted a full hall for his son, and there is no room for the ungrateful or the distracted. There is room, however, for those who simply 
respond to the Lord, no matter their previous state in life or no matter what sins they have committed. And this, my brothers and sisters, is the church. Sinners and saints who make their way and the decision to strive for holiness and the celebration of that great banquet. Again, one's shady past didn't matter. One's response to the invitation does. Finally, there's one last startling detail or twist when the king sees a man not dressed in a wedding garment. Suddenly, this benevolent, kind king binds the guest's hands and feet and casts him into the darkness. Scripture scholars speculate that this inappropriately dressed man represents an unrepentant heart. That is, while he wants to attend, he doesn't want to change his appearance or his life. It is the person who wants the perks of the invitation without an appropriate response to it. In our own day, we might call them cultural Christians or even cultural Catholics who aren't willing to walk the walk. Our free will allows us to make good choices and also bad ones. We aren't forced to love God or respond to his invitation. Rather, he continually invites us. As we ponder our RSVP this evening, let us pray that we'll weigh it carefully.